Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Rob Wolf, and welcome to episode number 25 of Unformidable, where we at Amazing Avenue take a look at some of the less heralded Mets in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformidable. So, as of recording right now, the Mets just wrapped up a September series against the Los Angeles Dodgers that may have dealt a fatal blow to their playoff hopes. Of course, that's been said a good half-dozen times minimum over the last couple of months, so I'm not declaring the obituary quite yet. I'm not Mike Francesa dunning the Mets. Well, that would actually be a good thing, right? Because uh, Francesa dun would mean that the Mets were probably actually magically playoff-bound. Last week, in looking back at the famous Mike Piazza Bruce Chen, for purposes of unformidable post-9-11 game, I mentioned that this season, this 2019 season, has felt a tad analogous to me to the end of the 2001 season, and as of last week at least, that Kurt Suzuki home run in that crushing 11-10 defeat to the Nationals, uh, taking the place of the Brian Jordan Grand Slam that sank the faint playoff hopes of a likable underdog 2001 Met team, or at least one that I felt was a perfect team to 
stand in for a scrappy city in 2001 and kind of broke my heart that they didn't get further. Uh, obviously, there's not the non-baseball side of late fall 2001 here, but this 2019 is a 2019 Met team is a very likable team. I feel like I feel like most Met fans agree, but at any rate. Uh, more and more, this season as a whole is starting to shape up a bit more to me, like a season that is even more recent in memory, and that being 2005. Different route to get there than 2005, but same feelings, uh, well, hoping to avoid the same feelings with a miracle finish as we come to the end. We can get into the specifics of that a bit later, but thinking of 2005 reminded me of one of my favorite Met journeys, one of my favorite uh, comets that burned across the Met sky briefly, and that of Mike Jacobs. Mike Jacobs was born on October 30th, 1980, making him 38 years old right now. God damn it, is that right? I gotta get back to these uh, 60s, 70s, 80s players soon. This is really starting to make me feel old. At any rate, Mike Jacobs was drafted by the Mets out of the 38th round in the 1999 June draft. That's with the 1,156th overall draft pick at uh, Grossmont College, a small college in El Cajon, California. And he was actually drafted as a catcher. Jacobs was in the Met organization, minor league organization, from 99 to 2005, making a slow rise. He, he was on the original Brooklyn Cyclones 2001 team, one that eventually saw not just Jacobs, but Danny Garcia, Angel Pagan, Justin Huber, and a couple of other players, I think, make it to the majors as well. Uh, I also read that he had a walk-off sacrifice fly in one of the first games, first professional baseball games played back in Brooklyn. But uh, as a whole, Jacobs didn't have a, obviously had a lack of prospect pedigree as a 38th round draft pick and moderate to subpar production so kind of surprising that he did make a slow rise but but a rise though it was to double a binghamton in 2003 uh, perhaps they saw some you know something in there and that that power potential but he was in binghamton in 2003 when in 119 games he hit 329 and slashed 548, still as a catcher, primarily as a catcher, mind you. So didn't really stamp his name as a top prospect. He didn't make the team's top 10 prospect list, but he certainly did become at least a name to watch. Unfortunately for Jacobs, in 2004, he tore his labrum, played only 27 games, and got shut down for the year. And it also necessitated a move from being a full-time catcher to first base, where Jacobs would never really learned to excel. Uh, perhaps on as a 2005 New York Met, he had conversations with one Mike Piazza about the difficulties of transferring from behind the plate to first base. Who knows? Jacobs, uh, you know, really, uh, when we looked at his advanced numbers, his defensive struggles really bring, bring down the numbers overall as far as war and advanced metrics in his career. At any rate, at age 24, he hit 321 in Double A Binghamton with a 589 slugging percentage in the 2005 season, winning him the Eastern League MVP award and winning him a call-up to the big club. Direct from there, on August 21st, 2005, Mike Jacobs donned the uniform of the New York Mets. 
might not have been publicly known at the time, but the Mets viewed it as a very short-term call-up, and there seemed to be plans to send him down the very next day. I I looked on, I could not find who Jacobs was called up for. I was hoping there was some dramatic story, like Mike Piazza went on the DL, and there was some you know, some nice uh, tie-in there, but I, I, I couldn't find who he was called for. If anyone knows, uh, please tweet us at the show. I'd, I'd love to know, but at any rate, uh, it was the last game of a homestand, and the Mets seemed to have plans for Jacobs to just come up, be a bat on the bench, and go right back down. And Mike Jacobs pinch hit, I believe, in the around the fifth inning. And in his very first major league at bat, he hit a pinch hit three-run home run off of Nationals pitcher Esteban Loaiza in a what turned out to be a Met loss. Jacobs was told immediately after the game that he was going to get demoted, but I think in a pretty famous story in Met lore, Pedro Martinez uh, famously made a bit of a clubhouse ruckus on on Jacobs' behalf and. You know, for a team that seemed in need of offense at the time, and for a player that came up and hit a home run, uh, Pedro kind of questioned the move, and Jerry Manuel, then the bench coach, and Sandy Alomar Sr. also lobbied the front office for Jacobs to remain. So the demotion decision was reversed, and in some serendipitous, unformidable moment, former uh, unformidable subject Daesung Koo was released instead, uh, which was in part spurred apparently by his unwillingness or inavailability to pitch in that particular game. So saved from demotion, Jacobs and the Mets went wild in the Arizona desert. The Mets swept the Diamondbacks in a four-game series to creep closer in the wild card race. Sound familiar? Met fans uh, sounded very similar to this past week uh, before the damn Dodger series. But Jacobs hit four homers over his first big league, first four big league games, uh, two in a game in the in Arizona and three in the series, and essentially took first base right over from Doug Minkiewicz. Uh, at the time of Jacobs' promotion, Minkiewicz had a 240 average, 322 on base percentage, 407. Slugging percentage, the rare glove-first first baseman, uh, was quickly supplanted by Jacobs. He got Wally Pipped or Kevin Mossed or whatever. Please forgive the Yankee analogies. I'll never, ever do that again. But for a Met team that, as we'll get into shortly, uh, struggled, always right around 500, a team that there was a lot of hope and promise about and felt like there were a lot of unfulfilled expectations, uh, all of a sudden, that team was right in the thick of the wild card race. When they returned from that road trip in Arizona and then San Francisco, they had a huge series with the Phillies and won the first game at Shea on a huge three-run Ramon Castro home run in the bottom of the eighth off of Ugi Urbina. And that victory put the new Mets of Carlos Beltran, Pedro Martinez, et al. within one half game of the wild card. <clears throat> but they would never get over that hump. The next day, before I really knew how very much I should loathe him, Chase Utley hit two home runs, Ryan Howard hit one, and the Phillies defeated the Mets to stay in, at the time, to stay in the wild card position, and the Mets would never get closer. By September 8th, a team that had been eight games over and you know half game out of the wild card spot was a 500 team again at 70 and 70. 
and they dipped as low as 71 and 75 before finishing with a flourish, uh, recording a winning record, and knocking the Phillies out of the wild card with the huge series win right at the end of the year, which was a small, small pleasure. But actually, looking back is a much bigger pleasure now that I think about it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But Mike Jacobs was in the middle of everything good that month. In 21 games in September 2005, Jacobs hit 310, 351 on base percentage, and a 676 slugging percentage, crushing seven more home runs, driving in 14, and just... Really looking like an incredibly another incredibly promising piece in a in a burgeoning young offensive team. That 2005 team is very memorable to me from start to finish, and you know this podcast in certain ways is all about memory, and you know memory is a dangerously unreliable thing, as Malcolm Gladwell's podcast has taught me. Uh, if you're listening to this crap, you should definitely listen to Revisionist History, uh, which is you know one of my favorite non-baseball, non-sports podcasts. And he has this wonderful podcast about the unreliability of memory, and really about much more important things about you know uh, how it relates to testifying and crimes and things like that. So I'm always I'm I'm now even more skeptical than I normally would about how much I remember these specific baseball things. So perhaps I'm wrong. And again, please tweet at me if my memory is is unreliable, as I probably should think it is. But just from January to December, I I remember eating and breathing this team. I remember the Mets signing Carlos Beltran in January. If if my memory recalls, they signed him. I was I was on a vacation with my ex girlfriend at the time, and I forced her to. We I spent one day of the vacation like watching the Jet playoff game and in the hotel, and she fell asleep. And I they, they somewhere along the line they announced or I saw on ESPN that the Mets had signed Carlos Beltran, and I whooped and woke her up, and she was just like, "Did your team win?" I was like, "No, even better, my team signed one of the best." young one of the five best players in baseball and an actual you know young player uh and signed them to the biggest contract in baseball and why does my team never do that and why does my team still never do that but i i just remember the beltron signing and of course pedro you know and that story about pedro uh going to bat for jacobs and his personality even if we didn't get you know the vintage pedro that everyone waxes poetic about 
uh, Pedro is just such a delight to have on the team and root for, um, and more than just likable players. I mean, we just had that core of Beltran and Reyes and Wright, and they all looked <clears throat> very, you know, very promising young players. So, you know, even though that 2005 season didn't end as we hoped and as the odds look slimmer and slimmer that the 2019 season is going to end the way that we want. Uh, I feel like this team similarly has this young offensive core, this Alonzo, McNeil, Conforto, Rosario, that, you know, you, you actually have some hope for the following year. And that's certainly how I felt at the end of 2005 uh, for a team that was equally... Um, fun, but also occasionally frustrating. You know, Beltran obviously struggled in that 2005 year. Uh, we had Mike Piazza's final bow, which was delightful until Willie uh, stole one final at bat from us in that final game of the season. Uh, but, you know, that, that I found that team equal parts promising and delightful and frustrating. And equal parts is a <laughs> apt thing to say about the 2005 Mets. They had a 500 record on 27 separate occasions. Uh, every time they looked ready to take off, they came back to earth. Every time they looked like they were going to disappear, they they seemed to take off again. But but that young core seemed promising, and 2006, 7, and 8, if you take the last game or two of each season out of the equation, were really delightful seasons. Uh, but Mike Jacobs looked like he was, to me, looked like he was going to be part of that delightful young core, a slugging young first baseman to supplement the Wright Reyes Beltran trio. But it was not to be, because on November 23rd, 2005, Omar Minaya traded Mike Jacobs and Yusmero Petit, and of course Cash, because when would they not want Cash, to the Florida Marlins. Um, were they? Yeah, they were Florida Marlins back then uh, for. Carlos Delgado. And I have to admit, I remember being torn on the trade. You know, Carlos Delgado certainly seemed like a perfect fit, but, you know, and, you know it was a little bit pre-prospect-hugging days, certainly not the extent to which people hug prospects today. But, you know, trading away that young, promising, cost-controlled player who, you know, in a hundred at-bats looked like such a potential star did did seem a tad questionable but you know with the Mets on the rise the way they were and adding Laduca that offseason adding Delgado I mean why not and you know the Marlins were at the end of one of their uh, brief quixotic well actually it's not quixotic when they make a brief effort to spend and compete they win a fucking World Series but at any rate, uh, Marlins are end at, one, at the end of one of those runs and trading away their players for future assets. So Jacobs would go on to Florida where he'd put up respectable numbers, but Delgado was you know, an absolute force for the Mets, uh, you know, amazing in 2006. Uh, I'd say an MVP candidate, except you know, probably overshadowed on the 2016 by Beltran, maybe even Wright, but... Uh, Delgado's numbers over 2006 to 2009 with the Mets would really overshadow Jacobs and the trade would look better and more one-sided as time went on. Jacobs actually hit decently with Florida and for his major league career, but his poor base running and even worse defense uh, wound up combining to give him a negative war 
for the rest of his non-Mets career. My favorite Jacob anecdote, Jacob's anecdote about his time with the Marlins isn't even really a playing one. Uh, rather, there's a great story about the fact that the Marlins gave out Jacob's t-shirts as a promotion on Jewish Heritage Day on May 28th, 2006, only to find out later that Mike Jacobs is not Jewish. And I, you know, people have speculated it's because of his last name. I, I'd like to think it's the New York Association. As someone who has visited other parks in the Midwest and, you know, I remember being at Cardinals games and wearing my Met hat. And it's usually the second or third question I get asked is, are you from New York? Yes. Are you Jewish? It's fascinating. I'm pretty sure I have in-laws in the Midwest who still think I'm Jewish. So right there with you, Mike Jacobs. At any rate, the Gentile first baseman would spend 2006, 7, and 8 with the Marlins before being traded to the Kansas City Royals for reliever Juan Carlos Oviedo. Jacob spent one tough year in Kansas City in 2009. He hit 228 with 19 home runs and was released. And in the 2009 offseason, the Mets signed Jacobs as a free agent and brought him home, where he started the season as a primary first baseman. In the sixth game of the season, Jacobs homered off of Brian Bruni in the bottom of the eighth at City Field against the Washington Nationals. It would be Mike Jacobs' 100th and final Major League home run. Jacobs uh, played only three more games with the Mets before being released in April of 2010, and in the circle of left-handed hitting first baseman life, it was primarily for the Mets to call up Ike Davis, who you know went down and Started the season uh, probably in, if I remember correctly, a bit of a service time manipulation thing. I also think uh, Daniel Murphy was get, was might have been playing some first base then, but was injured at the start of the year. Uh, that was a pretty bad team at any rate. Uh, but Mike Jacobs uh, spent just those like nine, ten games with the Mets in 2010 before being released. Thereafter, Jacobs signed with multiple organizations. He spent time with Toronto, Colorado, Arizona, and Seattle, but he would only get 19 more major league at-bats, those with the Diamondbacks in 2012. And an unfortunate footnote, in August of 2011, Jacobs became the first North American athlete to be suspended for testing positive for human growth hormone. He was with the Rockies AAA affiliate. Uh, he was suspended for 50 games. Uh, Jacobs apologized in a statement just saying he was trying to overcome knee and back problems and made the, quote, terrible decision to take HGH. You know, I made one of the worst decisions I could have ever made, for which I take full responsibility, uh, full apology. No denials or pretending something was delivered by an anti-Semitic delivery person who just assumed he was Jewish or something like that. So kudos to him for that. I guess. But just to do a quick summation of his career, as I mentioned earlier, he was a converted catcher. As a first baseman, Mike Jacobs was a former catcher. Uh, he and Mike Piazza would, I'm sure, be happy to testify that it's not so easy to just stand at first base and play defense. Uh, in brief, he had a decent power bat, but his defensive metrics were brutal. You know, as a former catcher, he's not exactly an adroit base runner. So his uh, career, first career, he has a negative 2.4 war, according to baseball reference. His similarity scores on baseball reference are players such as C.J. Cron, Matt Adams, but he, he got less opportunities than those players, or at least it seems like to me, you know, whether that was, uh, you know, because of the stain of the 
drug testing suspension or just his you know lack of other skills behind being a kind of all or nothing power hitter uh who you know which was actually mitigated by poor k to walk ratios and obviously that's something that more and more teams were looking at in in that time so uh i don't know but mike jacobs never played in a major league game after his 13 games with the diamondbacks in 2012 for his career he hit 253 313 on base percentage 473 slugging gives him a 786 ops and a 104 ops plus so again slightly above average hitter but a negative 2.4 career war but with is in his 1,949 at-bats, he hit 100 homers on the nose, as we mentioned, and 312 RBIs. However, as a Met, as we said, his comet burned bright. He appeared in 37 games and 124 at-bats in the end of the 2005 season and the very beginning of the 2010 season, and for that he hit 290 uh, on base percentage of 360, slugging percentage of 645 for a 1.005 OPS and a 162 OPS plus, and that is brought down a bit, uh, in fact, by that brief return in 2010. Today, Jacobs is back in the Marlins organization as a manager. He manages the team's short, short season A affiliate, the Clinton Lumber Kings. Perhaps someday we'll see him again in a major league dugout. But we'll always have that 2005 season. And for his exciting role in that, Mike Jacobs is, of course, unformidable. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find this and all of our Amazon pods. And if you're listening currently, come out this Saturday, uh, September 21st. Yes, the 21st, to come see uh, our Amazon, a pod of their own, uh, live and socialize and interact and win prizes and just be part of the Amazon Avenue family. Um, but uh, please listen to all of our podcasts. Um, and enjoy whenever possible. Thanks for listening. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and let's go next.